Hello, church. <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to be back in the pulpit. I haven't preached since May when I left Han, so I've got opportunity to share the gospel at the uh, Salvation Army. Uh, Beth and I go every fourth Sunday night with a church in Fort Smith. We meet up there at 4 o'clock, and we feed, oh, probably 70 or 80 uh, homeless people there at the Salvation Army in Fort Smith. All right, if you've got your Bible, turn to the Gospel of Luke, and we will be looking tonight at the, the story or the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Uh, sure you all had this in Sunday school and or heard it preached over several times. I have, I have yet to preach on it, so tonight will be my first time to actually preach. I've taught it in men's class when we did Luke back several years ago, and I've used, I've used this parable as an example <clears throat> but never dug into it and uh, preached on it. So if we would, let's look at God's Word together. And I'm not, I am tech savvy, but I didn't have time to get a PowerPoint together. Philip, Philip asked me on Thursday, but I said, you've got your copy of God's Word. Uh, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous <clears throat> and treated others with contempt. Here's the parable starting in verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Let's ask the Lord to bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather church, as your church family to dig into your word and just pray that you'd guide our thoughts tonight. And Lord, I too pray once again that you'd be with uh, our pastor and his family as they're away from us. And may they have a blessed time together as he gets to fellowship with other pastors there in Little Rock this, these few days. And just bless the work of our state convention. And again, speak to us through your word that we might be willing to, to do what it says. Lord, help us to, to live for you each and every day. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Jesus, the, the verse 9 says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Who do you think Jesus is talking about here? A lot of people think he's talking about the scribes and Pharisees, but he could have just been talking to a group of people. Uh, but most, most scholars think he's probably after the Pharisees here because he gives a Pharisee as an example of one who thought himself uh, righteous in his own eyes. Self-righteous, smug, holier than thou, hypocritically pious. Have you met people that are like that? They, they look at themselves and think they're okay, apart from what God has done. They're self-centered. Uh, they'll have false humility. And 
probably the worst thing is they're really quick to find faults with other people, but yet they're hesitant or maybe even don't even want to look within themselves to see the faults that they have. Psalms one, four, uh, excuse me, Psalms 14, verses 2 and 3, the scripture says, The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. To, together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. We're familiar with that passage actually in Romans chapter 3 where Paul uses that scripture to say that there's none who is righteous, no, not one. So how can we be righteous in our own eyes? We can't, can we? There's only one way of righteousness, and that is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, time after time, uh, rebuked the Pharisees. We won't take time tonight, but if you'll go back to Matthew chapter 23. And we'll look at just a few verses here. In fact, the uh, whole chapter, all 39 verses, Jesus is rebuking the religious people and he's warning the disciples. Let's just pick it up in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, right? Because they were religious leaders proclaiming God's plan, God's law the things that God had asked the people of, of God to do. He says, observe what they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move one of them with their fingers. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. Again, they were, self, they were self-righteous. So let's not be that way. And we're going to get more into that here in a second. Back to Luke chapter 18. Jesus told this parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. And then the second part he said was, and treated others with contempt. That usually goes along with self-righteousness, doesn't it? You think you're okay yourself, and you, again, don't see the faults in yourself, but you're, you're quick to look at other people and to judge them and to, and to think, as this man did, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not like that person. Uh, in fact, listen to his words. Um, it says, the two men went into the temple to pray. Verse 11 says, um, the Pharisee standing by himself prayed this way. Look at the first words out of his mouth. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. And uh, I, I imagine he's, I can just picture him standing over in the corner while the, while the publican is over somewhere else. And he's like, I'm glad I'm not like other men. And he's obviously kind of figuring, you know, comparing himself to the publican. What was a publican? And this is, again, not Republican. But what was a publican? Tax collector. Why, why were they despised in, in, in Israel? Because they worked for the Romans, and they, they exacted the taxes that were due, and they got their pay by how much extra they could extort or strong arm from the people that they were bringing the, or getting the taxes for Rome from. So they were very despised. And so he says, I'm, I'm glad I'm not like other people. In essence, he's saying, I'm better than others. I'm better than those people. 
How many times have we done that? How many, how many times have we looked at someone and said, I'm better than that? When the truth is what? We're really not. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul was a strong Christian, wasn't he? Especially, I mean, after his conversion. But Paul could say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. The Pharisee or the self-righteous would say, follow me. You see the difference? In one instance, Paul can say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Whereas the self-righteous would say, follow my example, follow me. Let me ask you a question before we move on. We're talking about self-righteousness and contempt for others. What's the opposite of this self-centeredness and contempt for others? Self, selflessness? Yeah. Self-righteousness is selfishness. Not, not being that way is selflessness, thinking less of ourselves and more of others. How do we get that way? Humility, and that humility comes only by God's grace. So let me ask you this question. Does God's grace permeate, does it just ooze out of your being when you're, when you're with other people? Or are we quick to point the finger? Are we quick to look down. I have to, I have to confess many times I'm, I'm that way. In essence, the Pharisee is, Pharisee is saying, I'm a good man. Look, look at his, look his, uh, his prayer. Uh, I'm not like other men. I don't extort. This guy's an extortioner. I'm not, I'm not unjust. I'm not an adulterer. Or, and I'm not like this tax collector. In fact, he says, I fast twice a week, and I give my tithe, I guess, back to the temple or the synagogue. Um, so he's, sta he's standing there kind of puffing himself up. You know what? He says he's a good man. Maybe he's correct. Compared to other people, especially compared to the tax collector, he may look above reproach. He may look like he's a uh, striving to live in accordance with his understandings of God's laws and commands. In our day, he might be a pastor, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, or one of the other leaders in a church. Many congregations would probably gladly welcome a man like him into their church membership because he looks like an upstanding church member, right? I'm not a bad person. You know, we always, uh, we always diss the Pharisees because, you know, how Jesus spoke about them so many times. But think about Nicodemus. I believe he was a believer. Joseph of Arimathea, there if you read the, at, at the Gospels after Jesus was crucified, Joseph and Nicodemus came and asked for the body of Christ to give it a proper burial. So there were Pharisees who believed. They were, you know, they were, they were believers in Christ. Um, but anyway... Uh, but this, even though he may think he's a good guy, he's trusting in himself for his righteousness and not trusting and resting in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I've already said, many, many more days than I care to confess, I am that Pharisee. And maybe you are too. Again, maybe we're quick to puff ourselves up and to put others down. 
Just like the Pharisee, I try to make God in the image that I imagine him to be. Less holy, less concerned about sin. I attempt to bring him down to my feeble understanding. He who dwells in the heavens, of whom the scripture says, who only hath immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light. The almighty God I try to make smaller than he truly is because I, fully, I don't fully understand or comprehend his holiness, his justice, his character, or his nature. This man saw a lesser God than God really is. Let's put it this way. The self-righteous have a low view of God and a very high view of man. Does that make sense? The self-righteous have a low view of God and a high view of man. The humble, the saved, the believer, has just the opposite. In fact, that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible declares a low view of man and a high view of God. And that's a world of difference, isn't it? All right, so the guy says, I'm a good person. I'm not like these other people. Uh, in, in essence, he's saying, I check off all the boxes of the rules and regulations of the religious people. But right beliefs and good deeds aren't the cause of your salvation or anybody's salvation. They're evidence of it. The cause is God's grace alone. We owe even our repentance and faith to that grace. Personal pride has no place in our hearts or in our lives, does it? <clears throat> the operating principle of religion is this. I obey, therefore God accepts me. The operating principle of the gospel is God has accepted me in Christ, therefore I obey. Again, it's getting those things backwards. It's not I obey so God accepts me. God has accepted me in Christ and therefore I will obey him. <clears throat> not only does he say I check off all the boxes, he says I go above that. I fast more than I'm required to. I, do, I go above and beyond the things that God requires so God's got to accept me. He says I'm not like that sinner over there. God owes me something. How many times have you said that? Not necessarily I'm not like that person, but, you know, God, I'm doing the best I can. You know, I've been studying my Bible more. I've been, I've been coming to church faithfully. God, you, you owe me. What does God owe you? Uh, wrong. He owes you damnation and judgment, right, because of our sin. Again, low view of, of people. What, what, have we, what have we done to deserve God's salvation? Absolutely nothing. That's why it's grace. Um, <clears throat> God is the one who saves, right? And this leaves no place for human boasting um, and no rooms for fears of not measuring up. You know, we're not, we're not being graded on the curve, right, like we were in school sometimes. God requires 100% holiness. And I'm not 100% holy. And I know most of y'all, y'all aren't 100% holy either, right? We all fall short of God's glory. Uh, <clears throat> it's all by grace. We're all unworthy sinners, mercifully grafted into the family of God. God gets all the glory for the blessing and promises that we now enjoy or will ever hope to have. <clears throat> Paul says it this, this way in Galatians 2, verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ 
and not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Think about your very best day as a Christian. When you sinned less than other days, you, maybe you were sick that day, I don't know. <laughs> you sinned less than other days, you were more faithful to be a witness or whatever it is. Now consider a lost person on his or her worst day. Again, the comparison. A Christian on his, his or her best day with a lost person on his or her worst day. <clears throat> Do you realize that both of those individuals are equally in need of the mercy, grace, and forgiveness that's found only in Jesus Christ? I mean, that's, that's what Jesus is trying to teach them there. He's talking about people who are self-righteous in their own eyes. And again, Christians, we're the worst sometimes of judging people when the truth is we don't deserve it. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, I love this passage, starting in verse 13. And again, this, this, this would be the Pharisee or the publican. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us, both, made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who are near. Talking about the Gentiles and the, the Jews. <clears throat> For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Again, how are we saved? How are we made right with God? Is it our own self-righteousness? No, it's not, is it? <clears throat> we'll close with the uh, Pharisee with this question. Why is it easier to see the sin in others than to see the sin in ourselves? Why is it easier? Huh? Yeah, we don't want to, Cheryl, you're right. We don't, we don't want to admit so many times that we may, be, we may be worse than the unbeliever. In fact, we are because we know the truth. Right? They're still acting in ignorance, aren't they? We talked about willful sins and Innocent, well, sins of omission, sins of commission, sins that you're not aware you're doing. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. You know, Some of our sins of omission, not doing what we should do, in, in essence, are just as bad as what a Christian does in their ignorance. Again, because why? Because we know what God requires of us. Again, we're not saved by that obedience, but because we're saved, we should obey. Don't, don't. Don't ever say Ken preaches work salvation. It, it's grace. But once we're saved, then God wants us to, to live for him. <clears throat> All right, now, we've looked at the Pharisee. Let's look at the tax collector. Again, the Pharisee, he's, he's self-righteous. I'm not like other men. I'm, I'm doing good. God, you owe me. <clears throat> but the tax collector, it says, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified 
rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. <clears throat> the tax collector, the publican, he was broken by his sin. He was humbled by the thought that he was not going to be able to please God. And his only cry, his only hope was that God would be merciful to him. Isn't that us? We're broken people, right? None of us have it together, right? You may look at Kenny and think he's got it all together. But I assure you he doesn't because he's a human being, right? We're all dependent upon God's grace just as this person was. And if there's one thing I've learned in, in studying the Bible... God's grace is greater than man's disobedience, right? Where sin abounds, Paul says in Romans, grace superabounds. It abounds all the more. And again, he goes on to say, don't, let's don't keep sinning so that grace may abound, but God's grace is greater than man's disobedience. It is super sufficient to cover our sin. We don't know the history of this publican, this tax collector, but we know his response to coming into the temple to pray. <clears throat> Scripture says he wouldn't even lift up his eyes. Again, I picture the Pharisee bragging, boasting to God. And, but here's the, here's the tax collector. He's looking down. He's beating himself, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. <clears throat> Paul, again, that great missionary. Listen to what Paul says about the gospel. <clears throat> he says in, in 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying, worthy of all acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, right? But then he goes on to say, of whom I am chief. Wow. Paul says he's the chief of sinners. Where does that put me? Where does that put you? But he also says, this is a, a truthful saying, worthy of all acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Sinners like you, sinners like me. <clears throat> this tax collector was humble. Christian humility is not thinking less of yourselves. It is thinking of yourself less. As C.S. Lewis said, <clears throat> it, is, <clears throat> it is to be no longer always noticing yourself and how well you're doing and how you're being treated. It is self-forgetfulness, forgetting about ourselves. Humility is a byproduct in, in, in believing the gospel. Again, knowing we're not worthy, but knowing that God loved us enough to send his son for us. In the gospel, we have a confidence not based in our performance, but rather based on the love of God in Jesus Christ. This frees us from always having to look at ourselves. Our sin was so great that nothing less than the death of Jesus could save us. His love for us was so great that Jesus was glad to die for us. <clears throat> Isaiah 2.11 says, The lofty looks of man shall be humbled, and the haughtiness of men shall be bowed down, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. Christ is the one who's lifted up, not man. Right? We shouldn't be lifting up. Yes, we should honor our pastor, don't get me wrong. We honor people. 
people that God has put in, in authority over us. But there's only one who gets all the glory, and that's Jesus. <clears throat> Do we really understand our need for God's mercy like this tax collector did? Do we really understand that God has accepted us because of who Jesus is? And only through who Jesus is with what he has done. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 1.6, To the praise of, his, of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the Beloved. Why does God look at you with favor and with love? Because you're a good person. Because we're his child through faith in Christ. <clears throat> who are you? You don't have to answer out loud. I know, like, I know who all of you are now. But who, who are you? The apostle Paul said, I am, I am who I am by the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Your identity is to come from the incredible grace of God. Who you are is by the grace of God. Do you ever think about that? Why were you born when you were born? Why were you born in the family you were born in? Why were you born in the location you were born in? Why, why wasn't I born in some third world country? Right? Huh? God's plan, God's grace. <clears throat> you can only begin to answer that question by saying things like this. I am loved by God. I am adopted into God's family. I am guided by God's grace. I am forgiven by God's grace. I am justified by God's grace. And on and on. You are who you are because of the grace of God. I mean, this guy went down, this guy went home with a new identity. He was forgiven. <clears throat> and when you understand who you are by the grace of God, then humility is one of our responses, along with thanksgiving, praise, and obedience. Let me put it this way. You cannot exhaust God's grace. Again, God's grace is greater than man's disobedience, but you will never outrun God's grace. His grace can always find you where you're at, can't he? I know that's the testimony of my life. Back to this guy. <clears throat> the publicans wouldn't even look up, but look at his prayer. Be merciful to me, a sinner. The day I was saved, I was a teenage, teenage uh, young man at an FCA conference, and I can remember hearing the gospel message and that's, it wasn't my exact prayer, but I knew I was a sinner. This guy knows he's a sinner. The Pharisee doesn't know, he doesn't think he's a sinner. He thinks he's righteous. This tax collector, he knows he's messed up. He knows that he's broken God's law. And he's only got one hope and one solution that he's aware of. And it's the one that he takes. God, be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. Shouldn't that be our cry every day? God be merciful to me. <clears throat> Salvation is never earned or triggered by man. It is a pure gift, unearned and undeserved. And it's personally destructive and eternally dangerous to think that we can add anything to the grace of God. Do your works add anything to your salvation? Again, you obey because you're saved, not to save you. Nothing that you do, aside from the work of Christ, can pay the, in, the, basically the unpayable debt apart from what Christ has done, the, 
this infinite, huge debt that we've built up because of our sin and our guilt. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, verse 20. For I say to you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. How righteous were the scribes and Pharisees? They were self-righteous. But as far as God's law, they, they tried to be sticklers as best they could to the, to the letter of God's law. But Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that, what does that leave? Where does that leave us? I'm not as righteous as the Pharisees or the scribes. It's the righteousness that comes from Christ. In Romans 3, verses 21 and 22, the scripture says, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is made, has been made manifest, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. 1 John 1, 8, 9, and 10 says, If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. This Pharisee, he's, he was deceiving himself. He says, I'm, I, don't, I don't have no need of God's mercy. And he was deceived, and the truth isn't in him. Verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, or excuse me, faithful and, yeah, faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That was the, the tax collector. He confessed, Lord, be merciful to me. If we say we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. Are you a sinner? I'm a saved sinner, praise God, but I, I still mess up. Our pastors still mess up. Every one of us, we, we, we fall short of God's grace, I mean, of God's glory each and every day. But there's a solution in there. It's the blood of Jesus. Jesus concludes his parable. He says, I tell you, this man went down to, the, to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. See, one guy went home justified in his own eyes. Who's that? The Pharisee. The Pharisee went home thinking he was okay. He went home justified in his own eyes. Uh, in Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 13, it says, And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with these sinners and tax collectors? But when Jesus heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. What's he talking about there? Who were the ones that, that were well? It was, the, it was the scribes and Pharisees who thought they weren't sick, right? He says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I remember... Uh, Brother Joel, some of y'all remember him. He was here back when Beth and I joined the church back in the 80s. I'll never forget, he told a story about when he was in, I think, high school. And he was visiting in Mobile, Alabama. And he said he went to this neighborhood where obviously they were well, well, well to do. And he said him and another guy went up and rang the doorbell. And a lady came to the door and they started sharing the gospel with, 
with, with her, and she says, I'm not a sinner. I, I don't need this. I, I'm, I'm not a sinner. I'm, I'm, a good, I'm a good person. I bet you there's a lot of people in, this, in Mansfield and in the surrounding communities that look at themselves and they're just like this Pharisee. They look and they say, well, you know, I've never murdered anybody. Never cheated on my wife. I've never, I've never robbed anybody. I've never harmed anybody. God's got to accept me. I'm a, I'm a good person. Is that the truth? You know, before I was saved, that's, that's what I thought. If you'd asked me how a person gets to heaven, I would have said, God's got a great big set of scales up in heaven, and he's going to put your good on one side and your bad on the other. And I dare say that's what a, probably a lot of people still believe. Again, like God's going to grade on the curve. All right, you, you top 60 or 70% get in, and the other 40%, you know, you're going to hell. Don't work that way. Does it? We're all guilty and deserving of God's judgment. I mean, that's a, that's a truth that as a Christian, and certainly as a pastor, we, we should all know. Right? None of us are righteous. No, not one. And it's only by God's grace and God's mercy that, that we have forgiveness. <clears throat> Jesus said, it, I didn't come, or excuse me, those who are well don't need a physician. You guys don't need me in your own eyes. These, these sinners, they, they see their need. Just like today, those who see their sin know that there's a Savior. The self-righteous, they're not looking for salvation. So the one went home justified in his own eyes. The other went home justified in the Lord's eyes, the tax collector. Paul, again, if there was ever anybody that could boast about his righteousness, it was Paul. In, in, in Philippians chapter 3, he talks about, he says, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, the beloved son. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. As to the law, I am zealous. He was so zealous that he was out murdering Christians. And the day God saved him, he was on the, he was on the way to Damascus to deliver letters to have more, more Christians arrested. But he said this in, in, in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. And he says, but whatever gain I had, whatever I had to my credit as a righteous person, he said, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything. Paul says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. That's how Paul thought he was righteous before he was saved. He thought righteousness came through the law. But he says, but now I know I want a righteousness that's not found in the law. He says, but rather one that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. You know, we as Southern Baptists, we pride ourselves on, on being people of the book, right? We, we want to study God's Word. We want to know the message of God's Word all the way through is that man is corrupt. We're not, we're not well. We're not, we're not doing good, right? 
The Bible gives us a very low view of man. Paul says in Ephesians 2, we're born in sin. We're, we're dead in sin. But there's one solution. And it's, again, the solution that, that, that this uh, tax collector got. Let me close with this. The Pharisee said, and I've already said this, but the Pharisee says, I obey so God accepts me. The believer, in this case, I think the tax collector, at least believing in the mercy of God, we say God accepts me on account of Christ, therefore I obey. Which is more important? We're saved and then we obey. Uh, Beth asked me on Thursday when Phil asked me, said, would I preach? And I thought, well, I could, I could pull out an old sermon and, you know, y'all wouldn't know the difference. But I told Beth, I said, what are you going to preach? I said, well, I'm going to preach one to me. So this, this, is, this is my sermon to me. Again, I'm the, I'm the Pharisee. Many, many days more than I care to admit. It's, it's easy for me to look at people and say, man, I'll, I'll close with this. I know we still, we're out early, but... Um, I've had a rough three years, but I've had a rough time at work. One of the reasons why I gave up the pastorate down at Hahn. <clears throat> but there's a person, uh, a, a man, I won't tell you where he works for, for Boyd, but he's been under my skin ever since I started working there. And then I read something, and Beth's encouraged me to be friend, more friendly to this person. And you know what? I love the guy now. As as a human being. And I, I can look past my perceived faults of him <clears throat> because I realize I have just as many, mine are just a little different than his. I can get along with this guy now. But that, that's a work that God has done in me. And I'm sure there's, I know there's other people that I'm around that, that, I, need to, that I need to look with the eyes of God and with the eyes of compassion and say, I, yes, I don't agree with the lifestyle. Yes, I don't agree with how Somebody treats somebody else, you know. But let's, let's, let's not be like the Pharisee and say, Lord, thank you that I'm not like other people. But say, Lord, thank you that you're merciful to me. I'm thankful, Lord, that you have revealed the truth of your son to me, right? We shouldn't be praying any of the Pharisees' prayers. God, I do all this stuff, so you've got to bless me. Our prayer should be, God, be merciful. Let's pray together. Lord, you know our hearts. Lord, you know how many times we're just as bad or maybe worse than the Pharisee. And Lord, I know there's, there's times I've not seen in my own life that you certainly have seen. And so, Lord, help us to trust in you and in your grace and in your mercy that you've provided through your son, Jesus, the one who willingly went to the cross for us. And help us to realize that that is that he is and that is our only hope. And in, in the eyes of you and in, doesn't matter what the world thinks, but Lord, help us to not look down on others, but to build others up and to encourage others. Lord, those that are living in sin, help us to encourage them to look to Jesus because he's the only one that's going to save them. He's the only one that's going to save our nation, Lord. It's not going to be found in our culture or in politicians, but Lord, in, in the gospel of Jesus Christ and who he is. Help us to, to live for you. Help us to share the truth. 
of your, of your gospel. And again, we pray for our pastor and bless him and his family. And Lord, bless us as we depart. And we ask all this in Jesus' name.